Welcome to another episode of A Matter of Principles. This is David Worrell, Communications Director at AWSP. In this episode, Associate Director Kamrika Turner asks Walla Walla teacher and former head football coach Mark Yance his advice on leadership and what family members can do to support the school leader in their life. If Mark's last name is familiar, it's because Mark is married to Associate Director Chima Yance. Listen in to hear Mark's wisdom and advice for leadership and how you can support school leader in your life. Good morning. This is Kamrika Ari Turner, Associate Director for AWSP, and we are here this morning in Walla Walla. Of all places. Yes. <laughs> and I'm with Mark Yance. Yes. I'm so excited. Mark is the husband of Gina Yance, our Walla Walla Associate Director here at AWSP, but he's not just Gina's husband, obviously. That's right. There's so much more to him. So tell everyone about yourself. Wow. Okay. Start with an open-ended question here. I've been teaching for 32 years. Been married to Gina for 34 years, 33 years. So we moved to Walla Walla fresh out of college. They were the first place to offer us both jobs. And we moved here and raised a family here and just never really even considered leaving here. We love it. And uh, it's a great community. Um, We both have a lot of connections, both personally and in our professional life. And Gina put a lot of time in this district and has now moved on, as you know, obviously to AWSP. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, we're passionate about teaching and education, even after all these years. And we have a really good time together and we snowboard together and we raise children and dogs together. And, um, (laughs) you know, that's about it. Pretty simple. That's great. And what do you teach? So I teach uh, strength training and PE and fitness and uh, also health at Walla Walla High School. Don't leave everybody out. You also coach. Come on. I now. did. I coached for a long year. Huge part of my life. Love football. Um, always have. And about, I think now, 13 years ago, I got out of coaching and just wanted to focus a little bit more on my teaching and just kind of had a good run and was done. And uh, But yeah, I was the head coach here for 14 years at Walla Walla High School. Very fortunate to be able to do that. And uh, had a lot of great moments and worked with a lot of great coaches and kids and uh, really, really enjoyed it. And it was just, it was time. You know, I wanted to be around. Mm-hmm. My kids were in high school and I was missing some of their stuff and yeah. I wanted to be more present. And so, yeah, I did that for a very long time and just teaching, which is plenty. Not just, <laughs> right, yeah, not right. just, right. We appreciate you still staying in the classroom, especially yeah. through that pandemic and still, you know, being impacted by that. We'll get into a little bit of that later. But, I'm just glad to be able to interview you because, first of all, we just met this weekend. Correct. Yes. Um, It doesn't feel like that to me. No. But I think it's really important for not only our leaders, but our teachers and the community to understand what it's like to be a teacher, to be in love with a leader and walk with them through that journey and support them. So a lot of the questions that we're, things we're going to talk about today are about that and about you and how we can help leaders be better ultimately, right? Um, For teachers, for kids, for themselves, et cetera. Sounds good. So if you think back to a leader you've had, what did you appreciate the most about their leadership? When I look at the people that were leaders for me, I obviously gravitate towards coaches initially, but when I decided, when some of these coaches that I'd had had steered me into education, 
because you know I was going to go out and I was going to make all that money and I was going to have a business degree and I hated business and I hated economics and I didn't enjoy all that but and I was kind of lamenting to a couple of my former coaches one time and like well, why don't you get into teaching and be perfect for it and I'm like oh you can't make any money at it you know blah blah and I'm like that's not the reason why you get into teaching get into teaching to help kids and keep coaching and, and etc and so when I look at the leaders in my life they were coaches and I enjoy cooking a lot so for me it made sense it was kind of like a recipe like there's not an end-all, be-all, perfect recipe or a perfect you know formula for being in the classroom or being a coach. But the leaders I had, they made it real simple. Like you got to, kids need to respect you. You need to have clear boundaries. You need to establish expectations. You need to not lower your expectations. Like things that you know we talk about in education, mm-hmm. and it's the same things we talk about in coaching. And so leaders were people that kind of tied that together for me at a young age. I love that. Keep it simple. Is what we heard Yant say is keep it simple. (laughs) Coach his mouth, okay? Because sometimes we do try to overcomplicate things, I think, as leaders. Right. Or we have so much going on and there's so much things we want to share and we're just putting it on our teachers, right? Sometimes we don't break it down to how does this impact their day-to-day, right? What does this look like in their classroom day-to-day? Absolutely. Love that. Keep it simple. As a teacher leader yourself, right? Not just a teacher. You're Correct. a teacher leader. What advice would you give a teacher who maybe is, you know, struggling connecting with their leader? Because not every situation is perfect. We would love it to be. Mm-hmm. But I, we also want to make sure we're supporting and helping those who are having a tough time. Like, man, I really love my school. And, you know, this new person came in or like, I don't know, you know, I don't see shifts happening or I don't connect well with this person. What advice would you give that teacher? I think the biggest thing that I've gained from being married to a building and a a district leader like Gina is I realize how incredibly busy they are. Mm. And also that everything that they say or do or try and lead their building uh, teachers in isn't necessarily their idea. You know, that we all have bosses and we all have things that come down from above and that's part of that. So I think that over the years, you know, I've had the good fortune to work for about seven or eight different administrators Mm -hmm. in my career, in a long, long career. (laughs) And um, I think the thing I've appreciated a lot more as I've gotten older from my experience with Gina is just that there's a tremendous amount of work and the job is never really done. It's not normal hours. Like she's not off at four. She's Mm -hmm. not off at five. Like there's phone calls, there's things to do, there's things to prepare. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you have to be flexible. You have to be flexible and you have to be understanding. And I think the other thing, too, is understanding, I think all teachers, if they could benefit from being married to an administrator and being in a relationship with an administrator, they'd understand that there's a tremendous amount of work and stress. Mm-hmm. And understanding that, I think, makes it easier as a teacher to understand, like, hey, we're all dealing with, you know, when I walk into mm-hmm. fifth period and it's a little bit of a madhouse, like, <laughs> that's stressful and that's crazy for me. But that principal, you know, who I don't see, because, mm-hmm. you know, teachers are real fond of saying, I haven't seen an administrator around here in a month. You we know, hear well, that all the time. They're not playing cribbage in their in their <laughs> office, right? Like, there's there's things going on. So I think right. that's an appreciation and understanding of the day-to-day has helped me a lot. Right. Yeah. Okay. So we got the teacher advice. Now, you know, what advice would you give a building leader coming into a new building, right? That's so hard, especially with healthy school culture or history, right? You've been in that school Mm -hmm. for a long time. You have the history, right, of the school, the traditions, the community. So what advice would you give a building leader, a new building leader? Well, this is going to sound like an AWSP-sponsored plug here, (laughs) but I I listen to my wife quite a bit, and we talk quite a bit, and uh, I know that one of the things that AWSP talks about is three buckets. There's learning, there's culture, and there's systems. Yep. 
And um, what we were talking about just not too long ago was that if a leader spends too much time on one or the other, especially early on in their tenure, Mm-hmm. It can really kind of upset the apple cart because you know teachers, especially people who are a little long in the tooth like I have, like I am, you you expect certain things and there's certain things you need for your day to day and if those needs aren't being met then you feel like you're being kind of left hanging and mm-hmm. but understanding there's developing school culture is no easy task. I mean I, we were tasked with that in football. You know we had a large program, a lot of kids, a lot of coaches, and right. culture is important but it's very difficult. Mm-hmm. You know and but you still have to have learning because that's why we're all here. But then if the systems aren't in place, then none of it really matters anyways. Mm-hmm. And so it's this whole, like all of them are important. And if you focus too much on one or two buckets and leave one neglected, I, I think that's where, and when she said that to me, and then I started thinking about the principles that I've worked with, administrations I've worked with, it really struck a chord because you can almost see it, you know, looking back, mm-hmm. you can see the experience and then it's exactly in that realm. And it's a feeling too, right? When you walk in that building. Right. That if you sense the culture mm-hmm. and the community and how if people are smiling, right. right, or people wanting to come to work, if you can get that magic where the culture is is really in place, mm-hmm. then everyone's gung ho for the systems and the learning. Like mm-hmm. that'll. But if if one of those things is neglected, I think it makes it really challenging. Well, leaders, you're hearing it from Coach Yance. I mean, he that's the school leader paradigm right there. That's the right side, folks. That's the right side. That's the doing. So next, right, you mentioned this a little bit earlier, the stress, right, that you see and Gina go through the late hours, like work is not done. There's always something. As a husband, and you've watched her grow from being a teacher to a principal, now out of the building, but she also was a mom, a wife, right. a daughter, a sister. What advice would you give to someone who's married to or dating or living with or you have all different type of living situations right you could be staying with your mom what what have you what advice would you give the support system i think i mean for us it might be a little bit unique but you know early on in in our teaching career i was a football coach and i wanted to be a head football coach and that happened five years into our tenure here and um so i was very young and I wanted to do the absolute best job I could. And Gina knew how important that was to me. And so I was spending a lot of time on teaching, learning how to teach, and mm-hmm. learning how to manage kids in my class, but also mm-hmm. trying to get my career ready to be a head coach. And then when I became a head coach, tremendous amount of time. You know, we did it year round. Um, we really wanted to build. You know, we made jokes about, "Hey, University of Walla Walla." You know, we wanted to make it a <laughs> we wanted to make it a collegiate program. We wanted to really do the best job we could That's for awesome. kids. I was gone a lot, and when I was home. I was still gone. Mm-hmm. You know, I was watching film and I was preparing things and it was year round. It really was. And we wanted to do a good job. Well, then Gina's raising kids. She's teaching her own, her own classrooms. She's doing the cooking. She's like taking two days on the weekend. She's making a bunch of meals to prep because she knew I'd be busy, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So then when it got a chance for that to flip, when I got out of coaching, mm-hmm. I felt like my job and our partnership was, you know, she wanted to start pursuing whether it was going to be a doctorate or whether it was going to be a building principal and, and beyond. I felt like it was my turn to pay it back. And mm-hmm. so fortunately, I enjoy cooking and, you know, but we, I think the biggest advice is it is a partnership and sometimes your partner needs to lean on you and sometimes you need to lean on them and understanding like we talked about earlier the hours aren't set mm-hmm. you know building leader there's always stuff to do it's yeah. never over and you're never going to get that pile reduced because there's going to be a new pile waiting for you mm-hmm. when you get to work and understand that like we both know what we signed up for and she said it a million times when I was coaching like I'd apologize like oh my gosh you know I missed dinner or I didn't do mm-hmm. it she's like hey I know what I signed up for and mm-hmm. so with someone who's for me, and I can't speak for everyone else, but 
seeing her so passionate about education makes it pretty easy because I know how important it is and how much she wants to win at what she's doing. Mm -hmm. And so supporting her and paying it back is part of it. Balance. Balance, exactly. Teamwork. Yes, partnership. Partnership. Mm -hmm. Okay. I love that. Sometimes roles have to flip. Absolutely. All right. Okay, people, married, dating, or pursuing leaders. I feel like this turned into a dating or a marriage show. Yeah, now it's a dating show. (laughs) (laughs) I am a previous counselor. Perfect. Okay, so with that, what is what was the biggest challenge through all of that? So yes, you you know you've shifted the weight. We're sharing responsibilities. It's maybe her time a little bit more. You had your Mm -hmm. time. Right. Um, What was the biggest challenge with that? Um, well, again, back to the marriage and dating show, uh, it was, <laughs> yep, it was coming home and like all of a sudden, you know, dad's back, I'm in, so I'm going to do this and I'm going to, I'm going to have the kids do this and we're going to change the routine. And there were several moments where I had to be sat down and like, okay, look, <laughs> we've been, we've been doing it, the three of us, you know, but Gina and the kids, like, she's like, Hey, we've been doing this a while. Like mm. there's certain routines and the ways we do things. So mm-hmm. really just acclimating back to, you mm-hmm. know that partnership we talked about. But I just think the biggest challenge, again, I just keep going back to the time. If you are married to a building leader and you expect that, hey, we're going to have a regular Thursday night, we're going to go out to dinner, or mm. hey, Tuesday's going to be movie night, like it just doesn't work that way all the time. And being flexible, is that's the biggest challenge is being flexible because okay, not a set schedule. All right. Be flexible, people. All right. That's the last dating tip we got okay. for the people. They need to do their own research, right? Get their own marriage right. counselor. We're done I'm a little here. out of my depth here. Yeah. yeah they're absolutely. not paying us for this one. Okay. So this is so interesting. I was a previous coach. You were a previous coach. And I love this book. I don't remember the author, but it was about what a coach could teach a teacher. And this is all very helpful also, I think, for building leaders to hear. So I just want to hear from you. Like, What would you tell a teacher from a coach's perspective that you feel helped you and or helps you in the classroom yeah well i think you know having expectations really clearly laid out and making sure that there's a level of expectation there's a level of expected performance right Mm -hmm. like that's in coaching and a quick little maybe illustration to make my point like the other day i got evaluated from our new principal Mm -hmm. and he came in and and i had the pre-observation and we talked about you know, that I would stand there and the kids were working on the front squat in the weight room, for example, and that that was going to be my emphasis. My learning target was all kids would demonstrate proficiency in the front squat, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And what, what I told him the pre-observation was, and he kind of like was working with me on this, was that, oh, I'd stand there and I'd make check marks and see who was proficient, who wasn't, and then go back around the second half class and then follow up with them. And I couldn't do that. There was, you know, this kid doesn't have the bar in his hand right, and this kid's not low enough. And so mm. I started walking around, and I was just doing what I do every day, which is your coaching. And, mm. and I think I think what a coach could share with a teacher, or vice versa, is there's always something to address positively or with criticism. Like, mm. hey, and maybe criticism is not the right word, but there's, in every little moment of movement, there's something to say. Mm. Whether you're encouraging someone or saying, hey, that's so much better than yeah. last week. Or, hey, remember, we want to get our hips back here or whatever. Yeah. It's just like coaching, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you don't, not a head turner. You don't say, well, that'll probably be okay. Don't pass up the opportunity. Right. Don't miss an opportunity yeah. to help a kid. And yeah. so I think coaches do that naturally because there's always something to work on. Yep. And when you do it for real, there's going to be people in the stands watching you. Mm-hmm. It's very different from an observation. but Yeah. You know. <laughs> um, so I think that it goes hand in hand. I think good coaching is good teaching. I think good teaching is good coaching. Love that. Don't miss out on that opportunity, people, right? And I can also say that to our leaders. Don't miss out on that opportunity in a teacher 
in a staff member, in a family, mm-hmm. right? So great, great tip. Okay, we're, we're getting down to the end. <laughs> okay, and we have some heavy ones, and I think I'm going to switch it up and lighten up the end. But this pandemic, oh my gosh, both mm-hmm. of you, right, in the home, you're teaching PE from a computer, right? right? Um, trying to get kids to stay engaged, camera off, camera on. I don't know what you did. Have them submit a video, show me, like, log, right? How you were exercising. How do we stay healthy? Right. In that class, I think... PE, I think, became even more important. I don't think people, I think people miss that because we're talking about mental health, mm-hmm. people in the house, talking about food, desert situations, possibly right. for kids and families, keeping kids moving so that those endorphins, right, can help them live and maybe just right. get their mind off track of what was going on around them. Big deal, yeah, right? Huge. As a teacher leader, I'm going to keep saying that because that's what you are. What have you learned from the pandemic? The first thing I would say is that kids, we say it all the time and everyone knows it, so I'm kind of repeating it, but kids are super resilient. Mm -hmm. They'd show up. They were ready. And then we showed back up to school after the pandemic. Like, obviously, there was an adjustment period and it was weird and it was new and there was people that were struggling with things. And I I don't want to diminish any of that. But kids in general, their resiliency really surprised me. Like, we struggled. Like, it was hard. Mm-hmm. And uh, it seems like they handled it pretty well. And I, even after the newness of it wore off, right? Like after you, mm-hmm. oh, I don't have to go to school. I can be at home. <laughs> yeah. you know, but, but obviously it was a little different. You know, you still have to do the work. What we did in PE, or at least what I did in my class, was I just felt like, hey, just like I do at school, whether they're at home or whether, and doing Zoom classes or whether we're on campus, kids are sitting a lot. I mean, mm-hmm. you, ha- you, you got you know, to sit in the classroom. It's the way it is. Mm-hmm. We understand that. So we wanted to be the opposite of that in PE. So for the 45 minutes of Zoom class, you know, hey, camera's on, and we're standing up, and if you don't have weights, no problem. Get a jug. A jug weighs, you know, 8.8 pounds, and mm. you fill it up with water. And, hey, I got these jugs I got at Home Depot. You can swing by. Here's my address. You can grab mm. them. I'll deliver mm. them. So we're delivering some water jugs to kids for weights. Hey, use heavy books. Put them in a backpack. You don't have a backpack. Grab a grocery bag. You know, like, make it happen. Find yeah. a way. And then our deal was just we were going to move. And the workouts weren't always super tough, mm-hmm. you know, but we want, hey, you've been sitting, you've been on Zoom class, let's get up, let's move, let's stretch, let's listen things, let's mm-hmm. do, you know, and just trying to be real positive. And fortunately, there's a lot of online models for this, for, you know, right. online workouts and stuff. So um, we had lots of resources and things we could do, but just trying to get kids to move. But mm-hmm. the pandemic was really, really tough. But I would say that I'm really impressed with the kids, you know, resiliency. They bounced back. That's great. Yeah, maybe faster than we do as adults sometimes. I agree with that for (laughs) sure. I love the fact that, you you know, you've taught them how to do something with what they have in their home. Right. No excuses, right? Like, hey, we can find a way. Yeah. To stay healthy. Yeah. Some kids in your class are going to remember that for life and not have to pay a gym membership. Yeah. Remember when we used to Because I can fill up a water jug. It weighs eight pounds. Exactly. 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 You've saved some people some money here now. (laughs) And, you know, they know how to be healthy within their home. So piggybacking on the pandemic, we've seen through the pandemic a lot of uprise, right, in our world. Um, A lot of turmoil, a lot of hurt, a lot of pain, right? The George Floyd incident, Breonna Taylor, and that's just the two that are surfaced at the top, right? right? right. So we don't want to forget about those who also passed away that are part of that movement. And so a lot of schools and a lot of people, everybody want to talk about equity, right? Right. I just kind of know, you know, just learning Gina over the last three months. And so I kind of have a little insight to the conversations that you all had. And mm-hmm. But, you know, from an educator standpoint, you know, I would love to know what has been your, like, the most impactful equity move that you feel like you've made, whether it's in the classroom, whether it's personally, 
What has been your biggest equity move as a teacher leader? I think two things. I think one is the discussions that June and I have had. Mm-hmm. You know, she's been charged with some equity work with her organization with AWSP, and um, it's heavy lift. It's, it's important. It's important information. Mm-hmm. Maybe as important as anything we talk about. And so we've had lots of discussions at night, and understanding that we have blind spots and mm-hmm. we're not. You know, we don't have it all figured out, and we've got a long ways to go ourselves. Mm-hmm. And having those tough conversations help open my mind up a little bit. And also, I think, um, you know, we have a, a huge uh, Hispanic Latino population in our school. Mm-hmm. And Gina had a chance to work in a school that had even higher number of Latinos and Hispanics. And we've, over the years, being here long enough, a lot of friends, a lot of people. And we know that a lot of the families come from a certain area of Mexico. And Gina mm-hmm. was fortunate enough to be able to go there and, and do language immersion for, what, I think, three-week period. And... Those experiences and her coming back and a lot of discussions we've had realizing that we don't understand everything mm-hmm. and that we haven't, you can say, oh, until you've walked a mile in someone's shoes, well, you can't walk a mile in someone's mm-hmm. shoes and you don't know how they've grown up and you don't know what the experiences they've had mm-hmm. and the struggles they've faced mm-hmm. and realizing that just understanding that and realizing that we all walk different paths to get where we are today. Like I look at the kids in my classroom and they didn't grow up like I did mm-hmm. and I can't possibly understand how they grew up and they don't know how I grew up. Mm-hmm. But if we just try and understand each other and understand that, hey, we're just trying to make it, an, literally, not to use the term incorrectly, but just an equitable place that all mm-hmm. kids can come, feel safe, and feel like they're treated fairly mm-hmm. and that they're getting a fair shake. And so I think in all the discussions we've had, that's been my biggest, I guess my biggest focus is that making sure that kids understand they're welcome mm-hmm. and that everybody's in the same boat here. We're all just trying to get through this class and, you know, if it's strength class or mm-hmm. health class, but... I don't know if we'll ever be there. I mean, it's an ongoing process and we have a lot to learn. Yeah, we do. All of us do, right? No matter what you look like or where you come from, we all have a lot to learn from each other. And I love that you said just coming from a place of understanding. If we just start there, I think we can get a lot further than where we are. Well, we were talking last night and just the fact of understanding that people's stories. Yep. Just for me hearing your story. Mm -hmm. And and I know you've talked to Gina and you know how she grew up in the Mm -hmm. valley and so forth. And just understanding everyone's got a different story and you're not expected to know it or or be able to totally empathize with it but understand we all have a different background and Mm -hmm. hearing those stories i think helps a lot so listening listening everyone has a story and listen be flexible we're a lot of great tips today you're a good summarizer that's you said it better than i did (laughs) (laughs) well closing question for you as we wrap up what do you need leaders to know I think the same thing that is expected from teachers in the classroom, like we, we are expected to have clear expectations, have learning targets, build relationships, right? Mm -hmm. Because in my classroom, if there's no culture, right? And Mm -hmm. I know that, you know, hey, 37 minutes a day with this group of kids, it's hard to build culture. But if I don't have culture in my class, I'm not going to really care about what I'm trying to teach them. Right. Right. Like, you know, they don't. The whole adage we've all heard, you know, they don't know how much you know until they know how much you care. But principles, I think it's the same way. And I know teachers lament a lot. They, you know, like I said earlier, like, oh, I haven't seen a building leader down here in, you know, three weeks. Well, again, they've got a lot of ground to cover. But I think whenever principals or building leaders can, again, making sure that all those buckets are touched. Because Mm -hmm. we do it in our classroom, right? We have to have systems. Mm Mm-hmm. We have to have learning, mm-hmm. but we also have to have culture. And I think if building leaders realize that all those three are equally important and can't be neglected, yeah, because that's what you want teachers to do in the classroom, I yep. think it's a good connection. Model the expectations that you want. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And we're all, we're all on the same team and yeah. we're all trying to do the same thing. But I think 
that's the part that gets neglected sometimes because people are so busy. And I think teachers say, hey, we should have smaller class sizes. You know, that would make it easier to manage. Mm-hmm. We should have more assistant principals. Yeah. And that would make it easier on the building leaders. Well, come on, people. Did you hear? <laughs> Coach Yance, everyone. There you go. All right. We got to find out where we're going to get that money. <laughs> well, Maybe from maybe subscriptions to this podcast. I mean, I would love that. I'll work on that later. Okay. Well, I appreciate your time. This has been fun. I hope you've enjoyed yourself. I, it's my first podcast. You probably can't tell. No. Nope. Uh, I'm so polished. No, I'm just kidding. No, uh, you did great. It was really an honor and I appreciate being here and I appreciate you asking me and it's a thrill. Well, we appreciate you. And if you haven't subscribed to AWSP Podcast, <laughs> go ahead and subscribe and we appreciate your time. Thank you for being leaders. Thank you for leading for our kids, for our community and keep doing what you're doing. Thank appreciate you. you. Thank you. Appreciate you guys at AWSP. All right.